someone did a write-up on it and they said we can really they're like we we can really see why they named the ep bliss and it's like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about (laughs) like like, (laughs) that made no sense What was I supposed to do today? Oh yeah, have a blast. Other than that, I think I'm ready to go if you are. I'm ready to go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure podcast. Very excited to bring you on Jordan, a.k.a. Jor of Momentum. (laughs) Um, Thank you for coming on the show, my guy. Thank you for having me. I'm like very excited to do this. I'm very excited as well. And, uh, you know, we've had to reschedule a couple times based off of uh, just like a couple personal things happening. So I appreciate your patience with me with, uh, you know, finally being able to sit down and do this. And, you know, you got a proper, you know, proper mic set up. We've got the, you know, pro video. So, uh, you know, you're coming in uh, very clutch compared to some guests will just like do it on their phone in the the parking lot of Walmart. (laughs) I'm very like, either don't do it all or do it as like good as you can, like a thousand percent. (laughs) And that's just like my personality. Yeah, totally. Either like all in or all out as far as things are concerned. Like full send everything. Like no half stop, no half measures, like go a thousand percent or don't do it at all. Yeah. Love that. That's very, uh, that's very Yoda of you as far as like (laughs) do or do not. Yeah. Send or don't send. Yeah, literally do or die. Like, there's no in between. <laughs> Love that. Um, so uh, Jordan and I, um, obviously, uh, for for fans of of your band, new release just came out through Days, um, and I guess that prompted the initial idea of like reaching out to you to do this podcast to talk about the new record. Um, and I think I and we'll hit on this eventually, but I think that there's a lot of maybe. Um, unsaid uh just like connections of momentum the band and just like western canada is like you guys have like kind of started to um like come through that area a little bit more than most california bands so i think there's always been a lot of people within my circles that like really like you guys and appreciate that so i definitely want to hit on that but before we get into the music chats we have to check some bevs so it's tradition for the guests to go first so tell me what you're going to be sipping on for the show so today I brought in the new pomegranate Red Bull. Let's go. Okay. Very exciting. I, I will say I bought like three of them because I love pomegranates, mm-hmm. the actual fruit. And I give it like like a six out of ten, if oh, I'm being okay. honest. Okay. Because like nothing will ever beat grapefruit Red Bull. And since it's gone, Peach took its place. And like mm-hmm. Peach is always my go-to Red Bull. So I was excited to try this. And it's like, it's good, but, but not I would have rather had Peach. Yeah, I'd rather have grapefruit again than having pomegranate. Mm. Was grapefruit then, uh, like a past winter one as well? Yeah, it was like two years ago. But mm. it like everyone I talk to is always like grapefruit is the king. Like they need to bring it back. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I think that might have been a little bit before my uh, my Bev uh, connoisseur time because I think <laughs> I was like getting into it right when um, things like watermelon, uh, it, like specifically for Red Bull flavors. And I know like uh, they had the um, the fall flavor. I think it was last year. It was like the um, it was like the Thanksgiving. Like it's the orange can. It, I think it was a cranberry. Yeah, was it was it? like cranberry. Something like that. People were saying it was like um, a Thanksgiving dinner in a Red Bull. I'm like, I don't know if I would want to drink that, but <laughs> like not peach is my thing. Like peach is always gonna be the Red Bull. But I also brought Liquid Death. Mm-hmm. Classic choice. Classic choice. Mm-hmm. It's just like canned water is just so bomb. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know how else to explain it. It just like hits way better than if it's in a plastic bottle. Yeah. Know? Um, I, I, I don't know if you saw, but, uh, earlier in season two, I actually had sticks who's the VP of uh, lifestyle marketing for liquid death on the show. And, uh, I saw, I saw you, uh, um, I saw the, uh, the post when you posted about him being on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And you know, I've been, I've been riding the, the liquid death flag, uh, ever since then, like big fan of them. Um, curious. Cause I think a lot of people kind of go in between the, the sparkling black can and the white can, like, are you team white can or like where are you kind of interchange them? I, I only enjoy sparkling water when I'm like with my friends, I'm never a, like just go to get sparkling water to get sparkling water. Interesting. So I would have to be team white can. I see. (laughs) Yeah. No one's ever says like, I only drink sparkling water with the boys or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a social sparkling water drinker. <laughs> Interesting. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. just, you know, sometimes I've had the white cans and it just hasn't been the, like, it's just like, I'm, I'm desiring that, like that little, those bubbles, I guess. So like uh, I, I normally opt for the, uh, the sparkling water. There was one time though, uh, you know, to your credit, as far as just like, um, just having the, the still tap water is always a better move. I, you know, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night, and you're like super dehydrated and you're like trying to yeah. grab stuff. For some reason, I thought one night it would be a good idea to instead of getting just water from the from the tap and just like down a liquid death. And I grabbed the I only had sparkling water once and I was up for like hours because I was just like shaking. So and, and there's no caffeine. I think it was just the carbonation kind of fucked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, two uh, two great bevs. Um, I haven't actually seen the pomegranate Red Bull up here in Canada yet, so I'm, I'm having a little bit of FOMO off of your your bed your bed. You're not you're not missing much. (laughs) I will tell you that. Fair, fair. I'm I'm also a big um I'm also a big peach Red Bull fan. I I made sure to drink one of those anytime my new band or my band was recording our new uh our new music, so I could be like. You know, this, this split is, is powered by peach Red Bull. Um, as far as Bev's for myself, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've seen a number of the, the podcasts here. And normally I check one of like our Bev sponsors, but I think today I'm checking something entirely new. So this Mm -hmm. I came across, uh, when me and my wife were just in, uh, in Winnipeg back where I'm from, it's called a Maracuya uh koya i'm not 100 sure how to pronounce it but it's a sparkling passion fruit drink um oh. so it's out of boulder colorado um you know passion fruit's kind of like a it's one of those uh more specialty fruit flavors so yeah i'm excited to give that a try 
and you know, you know, it's it's sparkling and you know, social socializing with you on the podcast. So I think that counts as far as what you're <laughs> used to. <laughs> Just it's always the anxiety of crisp. like, yeah, very crisp. Should I give you my my review of this? Yes, a thousand percent. Yeah, that's not bad. Good. Yeah. It's it's kind of like finding that like how much of this is like a fruit drink and how much of it is like sparkling water. It's almost yeah. like not sure which one it is. So maybe maybe I'll figure that out the more sips that I have on <laughs> have for it. For sure. Um but without further ado, cheers to you Jordan. Stoked to have you on the show and stoked to be Cheers. Yes. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jordan, I'm not sure how many uh, past episodes you got to check out prior to coming on, but any new guests that I have on the show, I ask them the same kind of intro question because I think getting context about how people got into heavy music, uh, hardcore, metal, like however you want to spin it, uh, I think that's really, really important to kind of connect everyone and all these different paths that kind of all brought us to the same place. So, Tell me about what that was for you. Like, take us back in time. Tell me the first moments that you heard some of that crazier music and how you got put in the path that you're on. I have an actual, like, kind of funny story. So how I found, like, heavy, like, or, like, how I found music with breakdowns was, so my brother had a friend who gave him, like, a burned CD with like i think it was like 15 like a day to remember songs okay and like a couple like stick to your gun songs and up until that point i was only like listening to like metallica and like some 41 and like shit like that like that mm. was all i listened to or like oh like slipknot too i was like real big into slipknot when i was a kid mm. and my uh neighbor from across the street his name's evan he's like pretty much my second brother because he's known me since i was child Hmm. and he's always looked after me like a brother so whenever anyone asks me like if i have siblings i'm always like yeah i have two brothers Hmm. and one day i'm like blasting like 1958 by a day to remember i'm like 10 or 11 years old Uh and he like busts into the room and he's like, what the fuck are you listening to? <laughs> and I was like, uh, day to remember. And he goes, turn that fucking shit off. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, move, get out of the chair. Cause I, like we only had one computer at my house. Mm. So I get up, he goes onto his MySpace, and he, he starts showing me his like top 10, like, bands or like top 10 on his like song list yeah, totally. on my species to have that and it was like all of these like super local bands like stand my brothers and like countdown the original countdown mm. from california um he showed me like guns up and uh the band that really really hit me at the time was uh half heart okay and I, like that's what sh- that like that showed me like what straight edge was and shit mm. and um that was like my intro into finding bands Interesting. was 
was him <laughs> blowing into my dad's room while I was on the computer and telling me to get the fuck off the computer. And he just showed me his MySpace. And mm-hmm. that would turn into this thing where he would always come over because he didn't have a computer at his house. So he would come over to my house and he would go on his MySpace and like we would just look at bands on his MySpace mm. and be like, oh, this band is sick or like down to nothing, just put out a new record. And that song Pipeline just hit. And that was like my number three song on my my Because then I made a MySpace just to like look at music. Right, right. And um, then like I always wanted to go to shows, but he would never take me because I was <laughs> 10 years old. Right. You know? So I would always have to like. You were kind of living vicariously through him in, in some oh, ways. Oh, a thousand percent because he would like show me shows that he would be, that he'd be at. And like, he'd be like, oh, there I am moshing. I'd be like, I want to mosh too. Right. This is so sick. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, so like, I don't know, mediocre to think about it. But like though those times legit changed my life. Totally. Yeah. You know, like literally like redirected the timeline of my life. You know, I could have, I could have straight up just to been like a straight, like normie. And then he like completely navigated me into like listening to actual hardcore bands, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, and like he, at one point, um, he like just got an iPod, like one of the, I think it was like the first iPod mini. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know what? Here, take my iPod. And he just like, let me have his iPod. And it had all like all these hardcore bands that like, I'm pretty sure a lot of people haven't heard of. Um, but yeah, that was like the defining, like time altering change in my life of when I found hardcore was through him. Yeah. Um, and, he, I- and he wouldn't let me have a scene phase either. <laughs> Cause I, I was afraid he, he was afraid I was going to head down that road. Cause I had like really long hair. Sure. Like I have like really curly hair and it, like, I would just let it grow. And he was afraid I was going to have a scene face. So he was like, no, 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 you are not doing any of that. Yeah. It's like, like the, the day to remember was kind of like a, a warning sign. He's like, I'm going to have to detour Jordan. Exactly. Exactly. And that was, that was that point in time where like, jock hardcore kids like viciously hated scene kids <laughs> like sure. when it was like that like actual war but between them it, it seemed like so he was like you are not going to be one of those people <laughs> so yeah it, it's, I, I it's, appreciate him doing that for me it's funny how even like five years ago like uh like like you said like jock hardcore just like people who are very like specific we'd be <laughs> like you use like there's no way you'd be uh, caught dead listening to like metalcore or like anything that like leaned way more that way aside from hardcore and now it feels a lot more like you could see any band of any like subgenre under the heavy music umbrella all playing together on the same fest on the same yeah. you know touring bill um so you know you know we, we've come a long way on that end but i do like that whole thing that you were mentioning as far as like an actual life-changing moment and, you know, this has come up multiple times on different podcasts uh, that I've recently done or way back in the day is that 
you know, people like discovering hardcore, especially with like shows coming back. And, you know, a lot of people maybe found it while we're all like stuck at home. Like those moments are like super pivotal to like really lock someone in to be, you know, the next big front person, the next, you know, key drummer in like 17 different bands from their area. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's just like so you know, I, I kind of look at that huge macro level of things when it comes to hardcore, because like you said, if, if it's not as, if it doesn't like resonate with someone as true as most, like most people, uh, you know, come on the show and, and talk about how much they love hardcore. If it doesn't like lock in with them, they're probably going to go and, and find something else to do, whether it's like playing video games competitively or like do something else. And I think, you know, having multiple passions is important, but I think if you see a spark in someone being able to give access um, to just like get those roots deeper and deeper is uh, super yeah. important. Yeah, of course. I 1000% agree about that. Yeah. So, so you kind of like had someone, um, you know, kind of help you along the way to kind of maybe, uh, you know, find a bypass around the scene phase and kind of get you more into like the true hardcore, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did the, um, the idea of momentum as far as like the initial like start, like was that your first band? There was a couple bands that kind of like kind of transitioned into that. Like tell me the the origin of that. So the origin of how momentum started, I was on tour with this band called seasons change. And for a while they were talking about starting a, like a, a crossover band because they were all hardcore kids that just played pop punk music Mm -hmm. because the shows were always super sick. And like for a while I would only go to those shows because I had a better time, Mm -hmm. you know, like you can only go to so many hardcore shows before you're just like, I'm over it. You know, (laughs) like you can only take so much, you know what I mean? Like, just based you off of like the style of the bands or like, like how it's how, like, a, like when you, when you, when you go to a show and then the show's done and like you, like you don't immediately put on like impending doom <laughs> after you go see a, like a hardcore show. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to listen to more dudes screaming. Yeah. Okay. You I got you. I, mean? I got you. <laughs> and like the environment of those shows were like, everyone was really friendly. The, the crowd reaction was like everybody singing along and like, it just felt so much more personable. Mm. And like, that's why I really liked going to those shows and that band, they were just like super welcoming. Like I just showed up to their shows and they always talked to me. They always hung out with me. We ended up always going to go eat after. And like one time the singer, Anthony, just like, he's like, yo, we're going to play a show after this show. Are you going to go? I was like, I do not drive yet. I'm fucking 15 years old. Right, right. <laughs> and, and he's like, oh, I'll drive you. He's like, where do you live? And I was like, oh, I live in like Whittier. And he's like, all right, well, that's not too far from me. I'll just drop you off at your house after. And I was like, yo do you want money? I have like $10 left. I will give you that as like gas. He's like, don't even worry about it. Right. I was like, wow, these people are so nice for no reason. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So 
I end up going to all their shows and they have like one song where there's like a dude screaming in it. And I would always do that part. And then they asked me to do merch on a tour. So I do merch on a tour. They talk about starting the crossover band and he's like, we want to call it bliss. And interesting. And so they never asked me to do it until I did that tour. And I would do that like guest vocal part every night. And, uh, Josh and art, the guitar, Josh played guitar, art played drums. And they really liked my stage presence and my vocal style. And so they asked me to do it. Hmm. I was like, okay, I'm down. And we like nothing ends up happening after the tour and it's like a couple months i'm like not thinking anything of it and josh calls me and he's like hey what are you doing and i was like oh i'm just at my homie's house he's like do you want to like jam right now we're thinking about we're trying to write some stuff for bliss and i was like okay like where are you he's like rancho cucamonga and that's like an hour and a half drive (laughs) and i was like I'll be there right now. <laughs> so I get in my car and I fucking drive an hour and a half to go see him. And he's like, Hey, here's like a demo. Try to write a full song. And it was like on the, the spot uh, on the spot, but like driving there. Oh, and he's like, okay. He's like, we want this to be like the intro, like the first song on the record. I was like, mm. okay. And it was the song bliss. And I wrote that song going to that first practice and we get there and I, we keep, we kept playing that fucking song for like an hour. And I was trying to like get the, the cadence right. And the harmonies, right. Mm -hmm. I finally got it and they liked it. And then fragments of one of the new songs on our LP are, were like, we were jamming like parts of that song. So like, literally like parts of a song from like six years ago are now being used on the LP. And it was that song 3am. Oh, and okay. Interesting. So we, we jammed some of that and they liked it enough and ended up Anthony who sang for season change ended up not joining. Um, Carlos, who was the first merch guy for seasons change plays guitar. Josh was playing guitar at the time. And then Johnny, who played guitar in Seasons Change, ended up playing bass. And then Art, who played drums in Seasons Change, played drums for us. And that's how the band formed. Interesting. Okay. We were going to call ourselves Bliss. And oh, so then. Yeah, I I, I need that clarification. So the band was originally be called Bliss. And the first song that you're working on was like, that's the self titled like song, I guess. And then. Yeah. Tell me about how the, the shift happened into what, you know, the band is actually called now. So there was a band in like the seventies, I guess, or eighties that trademarked the name bliss and Nirvana Nirvana was actually going to be called bliss, but they ended up getting sued by them. Apparently. So Nirvana's first show, they were called bliss and (laughs) they had it. They ended up getting sued, changed their name to Nirvana. And you're like, and we're nowhere as big as Nirvana. Maybe we shouldn't go down this road <laughs> as well. Well, nobody knew about this until um, there was this band, um, Forever Came Calling. 
and they were like another pop punk band. Yeah, I I do Susan remember that Change name. Was friends mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Tom ends up playing guitar in this band, um, Vatican now. Oh, okay. Uh, and he ends up telling us this, and we're like, "Fuck, are you serious?" He's like, "Yeah, man, you cannot." you cannot use bliss. You will be sued. Yeah. And he's like, look, my friend's band is called bliss, but with one S and a period at the end, just so they don't get sued by that band. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Okay. Yeah. This so bliss all, band is relentless. Holy fuck. Yeah. It, no, they, they are legitimately relentless about it. So we yeah. end up like having a three hour phone call and we're all trying to decide names for the band. Okay. And at the time, I was listening to a lot of Modern Life is War. Okay. And that song Momentum came up. And I was like, what if we what if we use Momentum? And everyone stopped and they're like, I'm down. Let's just do that. <laughs> and so that was that's how we that's how we formed the name. And like, yeah, that's it. And it's funny, another like side story was please. We when uh the EP first dropped when Bliss first dropped. There was a write up. Someone did a write up on it, and they said we can really. They're like we we can really see why they named the EP Bliss, and it's like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> like <laughs> that made no sense. <laughs> they're just trying to like pluck but, something from the from yeah, the ether. Like, it's they like were no, trying, you actually they were have no really, idea. Really hard. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Well, yeah, I, that's a story on that. Yeah, I appreciate the full behind the scenes of far, as far as that. And it's always bands that are like in some kind of weird thing that they feel the need to like trademark it. And then it's like all these things like, you know, you've seen so many bands struggle with that. Like, I know like Buggin' Out from Chicago had to change their name to Buggin' because of some kind of like cease and desist stuff. And it's just like, hmm. it's so it's so wacky, but I think. I think it's ultra wacky, especially in hardcore, because like most of these projects are not going to be competing in any kind of shape or form. But uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's like seven different momentums. <laughs> it is what it is, you yeah. know, but whatever. Yeah. You just at that point, it's just be the best one. So it, exactly. Mm-hmm. Be the best one out of all of them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, OK, so you guys, you know, to, to hit on something you were saying, like you put out the EP. This is back in 2016. Um, a few a few years go by. Uh, a promo comes out with some new songs, and then a few more years go by, and there's another promo. And then a year later, and now we're like, here's like a full body's worth of like collection to, of songs. So was yeah. was like the the time like I'm I'm sure there might have been things in the mix where it's like. Or did you guys just want to take your time in like curating the best songs and like like you were saying some some of the songs that have just come out have riffs that came that maybe were started six years ago but like still mm-hmm. hold because I've heard that I've had people on the show where it's like yeah this EP was written five years ago and now it's just seeing the light of day so talk to me about yeah. how you guys have like you know uh, had that approach with like releasing the music and, and, and what you wanted to do and maybe where you have struggled, I guess. So when we wrote bliss, we, we were all like super young, right? Like I was 19 and everybody else was young and we all had like part-time jobs and we had a lot of free time. So I was, 
we were all able to like sit in Josh's room for like 12 hours and just crank out songs. And we would literally work from like three in the afternoon to 3 a.m. in the morning. And that's like a, that's like another like Easter egg of why we call 3 a.m. 3 a.m. is because it was always like a joke between us. We're like, yo, when are we going to write? And we'd always be like 3 a.m. Um, <laughs> so we grew up, obviously we got like full-time jobs. Um, we couldn't meet at Josh's anymore because Josh lives like 70 miles away from me. Oh, okay. Right. And so it's even farther for the other guys. So it's a mission to go out to Josh's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we couldn't do that all the time. Right. Like I can't go to his house three, four times a, a week and like get there at three, three, uh, three PM and like get home at 5. AM. Like yeah. I can only do that so much. Yeah. So then Art and Johnny end up leaving and they end up getting like actual full-time jobs and they were getting older too, like 27, 28, like up in that age. Mm -hmm. And so they end up leaving and we have like member changes and that's when Gage and Mike joined the band and same thing. Gage has a full-time job. Mike was going to go to school for barbering. He had a full-time job. So when we got a little bit older, it was just harder to write. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, totally. And they lived even farther from Josh. So it was hard to crank out songs or like write shit. So we ended up just like, we need to release something. Like it's been two years. We need to release something. So we, we put out that two song EP with Vicious Cycle and Relapse. And the quality fucking sucked. It was not like, it sounded so sick in the studio on the studio monitors, like just raw. And we're like, yeah, this is so bomb. And when it finally got released, it was just bad. Like we rushed it for no reason. And then um, we, we were touring a bunch. That was another reason. Uh, we were doing like 40 day, like Midwest East coast runs, like just miserable, like yeah. in the summer, <laughs> like it was so bad. <laughs> um, and then we end up like Mike ends up leaving the band because he's moving back to Florida. He's getting married. It's cheaper to live there. You make more money barbering there. Mm-hmm. It was just smart move for him. And we are like, fuck, we need to like write more shit. So we're, we were writing here and there, not very consistently. And we kind of hit like this, like roadblock where we weren't writing anything that we thought was like good. Mm. And we kind of like all stepped away for a second and we were like about to just like call it quits. Oh, and then, so this is before the 3am, like the whole like days, two song kind of promo. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, this was probably like, this was probably in like 20, 2019 and then fucking COVID happens. (laughs) Now we have nothing but free time. 
Right. You know? Oh, also, Josh and Gage both joined Vamakara. Right. So they were they were gone touring a lot too. So it was hard for like Josh to like come home, like right with us, right with Vamakara, do Vamakara shit, do mm-hmm. momentum shit. Like he was it's a lot of shit. Yeah, he was spread real thin. <laughs> totally. But like he powered through it because he's Josh and he's just he somehow pulls it out of his ass and he just solves everything. Like I don't know how that guy does that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the pandemic happens and we start writing at like my house. So Josh would come to us now. Okay. Let's fuck that drive. That shit sucks. <laughs> so he would come to my house and I had like a, a extra room that was like my dad's uh, office. And we just turned that into our studio. Cause like I could scream at my house cause it's just me and my dad. Right. Whereas like at, when we were recording at Josh's house, I'd have to like literally go under like four blankets <laughs> and like wait till a certain time and like scream into a microphone and like make sure it's his grandma doesn't hear it. Right. To do all our pre-pro, you know? Yeah. Probably not a good time to be screaming at 3am when you're it's, demoing it's, shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but at my house, we could just do whatever the fuck we wanted. Totally. So, we like really like buckled down and we were just like cranking out songs, always meeting to write. Um, and we were only going to do like seven songs. And I was like, we can't just do seven songs. We have to like, we have to put out a full LP. It's been so long. Mm-hmm. So then we were like, okay, we'll do like a little interlude. And we did a little interlude. We were like, okay, it's good enough. And then I was like, we should really re-record these songs. And like, nobody wanted to. And I was fighting this forever, dude. I was trying so hard to get them to want to re-record it. They're like, no, we'll just be wasting time. I was like, these songs are good. They're legitimately good songs. They just didn't get the, like, the treatment that they deserve. You Mm. know, like Taylor Young needs to work with these songs and put his spice on it. Totally. So then like out of nowhere... They were like, yeah, let's re-record all of them. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, <laughs> I was like, I was begging to do it. And you guys were like, nah, yeah, it's not. <laughs> and then just like one, like out of the blue one day, they were like, yeah, let's just, let's just do it. And then we had nine songs. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, we can't just do nine songs. We have to do 10. Like, I hate seeing just nine songs on, on an on a LP. Like, just, just do 10. Yeah. So that's when we did that song Dive Down with mm. the, the clean vocals. And we recorded that song or we practiced that song day before we were going to go record it and recorded it that the uh, the next day. And it came out. It's my favorite song on the record. Mm. So that's it on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was just interesting because I think um... – you know, there, there's a bunch of different things with, uh, you know, you look at a band that's like in your neighborhood, like Drain, they did those like two song promo. And then when California Curse came out, like those songs made the record. Um, and sometimes like that's just like a like a record label thing. Like maybe they're like, yeah. we want this to be part of our, uh, you know, discography and catalog. Um, but like like you were saying, you really believed in those songs. And if you felt like 
oh, we just didn't give it its due at the time because we were young and we didn't know what we were doing. And now we're like a little bit more established. And now, now the stakes are a little bit higher. And I think that's really cool that you guys were able to do that. Cause even in like, um, in relapse, like it's always that thing where you're trying to like give the song, um, the, I guess like paying homage to like the original version if you want to call it that but still like spicing it up and having new things that are exciting about it um <laughs> exciting yes <laughs> yeah yeah um I, i'm sure we're gonna get to that but um you know something that i just like how because i remember uh yeah like definitely a lot of the crossover nature of the band uh off of bliss you know that first caught my ear when i was first finding out about you guys but I, I kind of find that you guys have like a very like maximist approach to like songwriting instead of like being very like simplistic and being like, here's like this little part. It's like, how much crazy shit can we do all in one song? And it all seems to like, you know, not just lean only on like a, a, a chaotic drummer. There's like bass stuff, guitar stuff, vocal stuff. So like, has that always been the mindset for you guys? Or is that something you kind of developed over time? It's funny that you say that because that is all 100% Carlos. <laughs> okay. Carlos, dude, writing with that dude will be like, yo, let's do like a straight up caveman style, like breakdown. He'll be like, oh yeah, I'll, let me try it. And he'll pick up the car. He'll pick up the guitar and he'll be like, <laughs> and I'm like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? I said, write a breakdown dog. And he's like, what that's like not that was good <laughs> like yeah that was fucking sick i get it but that wasn't a fucking breakdown like you're doing solos and shit that is so funny <laughs> and he would do it all the time <laughs> so that's why gage is good to have in the band because he's very just straight up hardcore mm. and he adds that dynamic to the band whereas carlos is like what's the coolest shit I could do to show off how good I am at guitar, you know? (laughs) And for a while people would be like, momentum is a musician's band because they hear the shit that Carlos does. And they're like, that's crazy that Mm -hmm. Carlos can do that. But if kids want to mosh, you can't mosh to some fucking guitar solo. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. If Carlos goes up there and he does, he just like, does these crazy sweeps or like these crazy like pick notes like for three minutes everyone's gonna stand there you know right just being like Um, whoa yeah you need the you need the contrast obviously from that part into something that's like a lot more uh dumbed down and, and more caveman like you were saying yeah and that's one thing we tried to do with the new record is to just be simple Mm. have that like pop structuring so shit is catchy. Yeah. Because I hate, personally, I hate when bands aren't catchy or there's no structuring to songs. It's just riff after riff after riff after riff. There's there's like, there's just no structure. Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel like it's really important as a songwriter to be able to have that structure and have that dynamic ability to write songs like that. Totally. Um, so we have we have been trying to do more pop structure, more groovy, catchy choruses, um, 
another thing I don't like is like songs will have very spaced out parts where there's no lyrics. And so I try to always fill the space without making it too cluttered. Mm. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess that's just how, that's how we write. Yeah. Yeah. It, just off of that point, um, I was listening to a lot of the, the earlier story so far, um, just on like a road Yo. trip re- recently. And I was big, like, I don't think they're, that they're there's a big influence for me. Personally. Oh, totally. Yeah. But like, you know, to your point, I was like, I, there's almost like no parts where it is like there, there are songs where there's maybe one section where Parker isn't doing any vocals, but this like mm-hmm. verse filled with vocals, chorus filled with vocals, like super, super catchy. And there's always stuff to be engaging with if you're like singing along and that doesn't matter if it's pop punk or, you know, metallic hardcore or however, however you want to spin that. So yeah. there's definitely, um, uh, like a fine line and walking on the fence of like, does this, does this part hit without having any vocals in the mix of it? And just like ends on a big, you know, the song title or whatever. So, um, you know, to your point, what is what is one of the most catchy things in hardcore that like really catches your ear? If you want to say it that way, like, is it a drum beat? Is it a vocal style? Is it a a way the guitar riff kind of comes back around? I'm curious on what your thoughts are. I think what sells bands, at least live for me is the beat of the drums because that's the heart of the band Mm -hmm. like if nobody is fucking air drumming your fucking songs on stage or like or like in the pit or whatever you're you're not a good band (laughs) like people should be air guitaring and like air drumming your songs you know what i mean totally like that's when you know like you're you're making it right um but for me, like when I'm at shows and I feel something, it's definitely with the choruses or like the one-liners in songs mm-hmm. like that. Like that's the big selling point for me. If I'm at a show, mm-hmm. like I want to sing along to lyrics that mean shit. Mm. Cause there's way too many fucking bands. I feel like that write songs that I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) What is this song about? Mm -hmm. This shit does not relate to me at all. Like you're writing about straight up nothing. Mm. And like, sometimes that's dope. Like concept albums, like that's very sick. Like the, the, the new knock loose concept EP is like disturbingly depressing, but it's fucking dope um great great example for sure yeah yeah but like other times i hear songs that just like there's like no sustenance there for me so i'm not there's no connection Mm -hmm. well let's use that sorry go ahead no no no, i was just gonna say let's use that as a segue to just talk about some of the lyrical directions on on some of the stuff because i think that was always something that um when I was listening to you guys, I always felt like a lot of your vocals, like, you know, some people just scream stuff and you're like, you can pick out certain words. It's just like, like, I I felt like you just articulated things like very, very clearly on a lot of your releases. And I felt, 
you know, I felt like the, the, the why and the purpose and the passion behind a lot of the stuff that you're writing about. So talk to me about like some of the things that you feel most proud of, um, as far as like lyrically, uh, for the LP, you know, places where you went like really, really deep or stuff that you just want to either clarify because maybe it's like a little bit more abstract. So with the EP, a lot of the songs that I wrote, because when we, when we write lyrics, it's very collaborative between um, mostly all of us, mm-hmm. especially me and Carlos. Carlos is a very good lyricist and he leans more on the um, figurative, like poetic type shit. Sure. Whereas I am very, very literal. Hmm. So a lot of the songs that were on the EP were just stories about my life and like shit that I wrote when I was like in high school Hmm. or like even in middle school, like there's little like lyrics I would write, like not paying attention in class. And I just kept them over the years. So a lot of those made it onto the EP um as for like the songs that i'm proud of the most would be the song shattered and the song sundowner mainly because shattered was like uh it was a song about my mom and when i was 12 years old i watched my mom like literally die in front of my eyes from cancer and that was like me being so mad at the fucking world that this would happen to me because up until then, like when you're a child, it's always going, there's always going to be a happy ending. Hmm. You know, you're always fed the Disney movies and the child movies where it always works out at the end. So when she was going through cancer, it was always like, Oh, she's going to be fine. Hmm. There's never like there was no tragedy in my head that could happen, you know? And I remember my dad always saying like, it's getting worse. We don't know what's going to happen. It's getting worse. We don't know what's going to happen. And then finally my brother picks me up from school and he's like, Hey, your mom's breathing exchange. She's probably going to die. I was like, what the fuck? So we drive there. We drive back to my fucking grandma's house because she's like, uh, she was terminal. It was going to happen. I just didn't think it was going to happen. Right. We get there. I I walk into the door. She looks at me. I look at her. She fucking dies. It was insane. Um, so shattered was like me, like, like, dude, I would like fucking cry myself to sleep leading up to that being like, this is so unfair. Like, Mm -hmm. why isn't God saving me? Like, why isn't God helping my mom? And that's pretty much me like saying like, fuck you to God. Because I was like, like, up until that point, I was pretty religious. Mm -hmm. Like I was raised in a Catholic family. And I was like, God's going to be the miracle man he is. And just poof. Cancer's gone for my mom. Didn't fucking happen. Hmm. So that was shattered. So then Sundowner 
was a song I wrote on tour with Seasons Change. And it's about my grandfather's like battle with Alzheimer's or dementia. And it's like a special case where at nighttime it gets worse. And my grandma literally lives around the corner from me. So I'm there every day. Okay. You know, I would eat, I would eat dinner there like three times a week. And he would repeatedly forget who I was, forget who my dad is. He would forget who my grandma was. He just knew it was his wife. Hmm. He would forget where we are. Like we'd be eating dinner and he'd be like, all right, are you guys ready to go home? Cause they used to live in Glendale. Hmm. And so it was like, I was really young and I would get fucking so frustrated because he would ask me the same fucking questions a thousand times. Or if I wore a shirt, like if I wore this Deftone shirt, he would be like, what's that on your shirt? I'd be like, oh, it's a band. He'd be like, oh, okay. What's that on your shirt? Mm, yeah. And it would repeatedly happen over and over and over again. And I would be so fucking mad. But it's like, I, but then like, I can't be mad because it's not his fault. Right, right, right. So it was like that struggle of like, I, I don't want to be going through this, but I have to be there for him and take care of him. Mm-hmm. because they do so much for me. I need to be reciprocating that back. It's my duty as their grandchildren to take care of them. And I do. And I was up mm-hmm. until, up until he died. And the, the song forget to Di- forget to die. That is like the part two to sundowner. Okay. Um, so, and for, and forget to die. Uh, Before we hit on that, I just wanted to ask: as far as like, is that a is that like a case by case thing where it's like, uh, like you were saying, like it's it's worse in the evening, or is it just like that that happens for anyone who has dementia? Or, or I think or it's Alzheimer's. a case by ca- I think it's a case by case thing. That's why it's okay. called sundowner syndrome or something like that. Okay, but it would get like really really bad, hmm. like. like he would be like fighting us, like almost fist fighting us. Yeah, because he, he doesn't know who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know who I am. Like he fuck. straight up forgot who the fuck I was. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know who my dad was, you know, his son. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine how bad that would feel mm-hmm. for him. For me, I was like, this is just life now. This yeah. is just how he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that. those are the two songs that like for me – where I put the most of myself into writing. Sure. Totally. Because those were like, those are like my first songs. And I'm like, I'm gonna put my whole, my whole heart into all of this. Yeah. You know, and they were just, they were just stories about my life. So much. So based off of that, cause I do think, you know, a lot of the hardcore and like heavy music that I, I grew up on. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure it was kind of the same for you. Like, very personal lyrics like those two those two examples alone are like you know are from the depths of jordan uh if if we want to say that so do do you think bands nowadays are maybe not valuing that as much and maybe just like look for the quick things to write songs about like oh like i'm gonna write this like like i i still think that there is you know uh 
if you want to call it like baby steps as far as like someone in their first band to like, oh, like I don't like the police. So I'm going to write the anti-cop song. But like yeah. so many bands have that. So like, what would you say to like, you know, because there's a plethora of different people and like, you know, they're on their 10th band or their first band. How, how would you encourage someone to maybe like go deeper and more personal versus like looking at the easy hardcore songs to write? So I will say this. If you want to write good songs or run, excuse me, if you want to write good lyrics, almost 90% of the, the lyrics I've written were with no stereo on in the car, driving on the freeway. I would pull over. I would think I'd be in my head thinking about shit and I would just make it rhyme. I'd come up with like four bars and I'd think about it and I'd fucking pull over to the side of the road, first exit. And I would just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. As soon as I could stop somewhere, pull out my notes, write it down, get back on the freeway. And it would take me like two hours to go. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'd write a full song just on the freeway. <laughs> and like, when you're like people in California know, like when you're on the five and it's drive time, it's bumper to bumper when you're on the 105 or the 405 during drive time. It's like pretty much any freeway you're on during drive time in California, you're fucked and it's bumper to bumper. Right. So you have time to think. So that's what I would do is I would just be in my own head with the fucking stereo off. And I would just, I'd have like some topic in my head brewing and I would just try to like think about saying things and then it would be like i think one line i'd be like that line is sick and then i would build on that line and i'd make like a four bar like like a verse or yeah four bar verse yeah yeah and then i would go home and i would work on it and i would have like this huge page of notes that would just be random four bar verses that I would then work on and I would use those to fill up songs or like, Oh, I, this, this, this verse matches this song. Mm -hmm. And I would do shit like that. Um, as for rhyming patterns, I think a lot of people, like when I say like the story so far was a huge influence on me writing it's Parker's use of near rhymes mm. or um, justice from Trapped Under Ice and Walter from Rotting Out. Like those bands were big for me, like even on a personal level, but like as lyricists and how they, how they're able to just like use certain rhyming schemes and rhyming patterns. Mm -hmm. Like it was just so influential to me. So I would say, look at people like that, like really good lyricists, really good musicians and mold your own stories because i feel like as songwriters we should be authentic and not write about fake shit yeah like everything everything for me is just stories from my life mm -hmm. yeah but and I, I i pulled that from walter mm -hmm. i remember walter telling me it's like all stories hmm. everything everything i write about is just stories about my life and that's why rotting out songs fucking hit and that's why kids go crazy because they're relatable yeah you totally know? yeah and, and so 
and everyone's got different upbringings and different things. But like, like you said, if it's, if it all just stems from stories, there's like ultimately hundreds of different like songs that could stem from different stories of your life, like good, bad and ugly. Right. Like, yeah. So yeah, I think that there, there's a lot of, um, it, I don't think like maybe this next generation of hardcore is getting like lost in the sauce of that, but I'm, I haven't seen as many, um, vocalists really like write those like whoa like you know that like oh fuck like just that really juicy like lyrical content that like yeah you know some of the people that i looked up to um growing up and in some of the bigger players so don't uh, get me wrong it's hard though yeah it's totally to, yeah like, it's really be truthful with what you're writing and like there's a certain feeling i will get where it's almost like when you're about to cry and you get that like choked up feeling in your throat, mm -hmm. that's like the emotions for me building up. And then I'd be like, I'm now in that right headspace to where I could come up with a certain topic or like this certain topic is making me feel this way. So that's what I'm writing about. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like I'll, like even when I'm on the, I still do this to this day when I'm on the freeway and I, I like write shit or I'll, I'll, I'll have a certain topic in my head that makes me feel like a, a really, really certain way. And like, sometimes it's so truthful to myself that like, I'll legit feel like tearing up because I feel so strongly about it. Mm. If that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think being able to, um, to, to not like, uh, like to come out of your shell when it comes to like playing on your emotions and being able to put that into your music. Cause yeah, like th there's a reason that like a lot of bands uh, who have those like really personal songs, like it doesn't matter if the crowd is going crazy or not. Like sometimes they'll break down mid performance because it, like that song means so much to them or mm -hmm. it, they're like experiencing in the midst of all the adrenaline of a live show, all these like nuances within the song itself. Cause like, you know, like uh, I think Brian of knock loose is a great example of being able to like um, write in a certain time period in, in, in his life and then be able to call back and have an evolution of uh, his thoughts and perspective on things. So um, yeah. Yeah. I love all that. Um, do we want to, Oh, before we get into the next, uh, I know one of the, the, the single that you guys did for the LP, um, Overkill, um, I think yeah, I yeah. shot you a message. I was like, please tell me this is like a Halo reference. Cause like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I like, I hope so. So unfortunately it is not. That's okay. Um, it was actually a working title for the song. Okay. And we ended up just liking it so much that we just kept it. Mm-hmm it's like a dope title totally. <laughs> like i don't know it's just fucking like it's a it's a good opener for the record like it's just i don't know it was a working <laughs> title that we kept and it's it it, it worked out perfectly yeah so i was like well even if it's not i think it's a dope name regardless um although i am a huge halo fan okay so, so i'm curious if there's any other like yeah kill streak medals that you would write <laughs> name a song after <laughs> Kilimanjaro like I don't, I don't know that would actually be so <laughs> badass um yeah it's uh you know I I think there's a song um 
Is or, it the My Child, My Bride song? Yeah, they do have Headshot? that song, Headshot. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to <laughs> MCMB. Um, but yeah, I think I think there was something where I had to do a double take because I think the song is called Triple Threat. And I was like, does that say triple kill? But I was like, no, no, no. that's just my Halo <laughs> brain turning. Um, I, I got a couple more questions here for you, Jordan. So like I was saying at the top of the episode, the momentum and like Western Canada, like connection is like a lot more than a lot of bands in California. And I think, you know, with you guys, you know, you came up to play Wild Rose 2019. And I think, I think you guys were actually supposed to play the year prior, but like yeah. something's kind of like a mess up, but you know, also playing up and playing Vancouver a number of times. So I guess like, you know, I'm always trying to fly the flag for my scene up here and just trying to like, you know, get the word out as much as I can. So I guess I, I was curious if you could share some of the um, the origins of like, you know, was that like an idea that you guys originally had or you got reached out to or like how that relationship between like, you know, you guys and a lot of the Vancouver mutual friends of ours kind of started. So when the band first started, I was secretly sending out the masters of our <laughs> record behind my band's back to these promoters okay like people who put on shows and i was sending it to the dpk guys yeah and they're like this is crazy if you guys book a west coast run come to canada kids will love this shit mm -hmm. and i was like i'm so fucking down <laughs> so we end up just playing canada a bunch and like they fuck with us super heavy and there was one time we were playing up there with um creeping death mm. and we play bliss and the entire crowd like shouted out that that bliss. yeah yeah and i was in like total shock and disbelief like i couldn't <laughs> believe so many people were doing that they like it was like that moment where you're like, this has all been so worth it. You mm, know what I mean? Totally. Um, and also, I feel like kids in Canada, like, I've talked about this a lot with my friends, where I feel like there's certain hardcore scenes that care about being a cool guy. And they don't do, like, they won't mosh unless someone else moshes. They won't sing along unless someone else is singing along. They don't get involved until the collective gets involved. Whereas like kids in like Canada, they just go off regardless. If they fuck with that band, they just start going off. Mm. Um, it's very akin to like kids in like the Midwest, like, um, like the LDB kids. Those kids just go off for everything. They're moshing for every band. They're singing along for every band because they're happy that these bands are going there. Mm -hmm. Because that's like such a flyover state. Who gives a fuck about fucking Kentucky? You know what I mean? Right. But like they go off every time. Every show we've had there is sick. Every show we've had in Canada is sick. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why don't more bands play here? Like the kids go off. They support the bands. They buy merch. Like, the shows are always dope. I feel like more bands should play there. Like, mm -hmm. all the people are nice. The food is very good. <laughs> like, 
you can go anywhere on Vancouver and go get like a full meal for five US dollars. It's insane, <laughs> you know? Right. So like, I don't know why people wouldn't want to play there. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I love hearing all those things from you just because like, you know, whether it's people within Louisville or Vancouver or Calgary, like I think it's safe to say <clears throat> that any of those scenes might be, you know, not within the normal tour routing or like, you know, you might have to go out of your way to hit a lot of these places, but all the people that are like putting on the local fests, putting on, um, you know, playing in these bands, you know, like maybe being like the content creators and like trying to, you know, push stuff out, out into the internet, hardcore world. Um, we're all working like 10 times as hard as anyone within, you know, Northern or Southern California or any of like the major hardcore hubs. So I think it's like super cool that you guys like saw the opportunity very early on, um, you know, through the secret like DM with the masters, but like, it is one of those things where like, I, I, I'm able to list off any band who's like gone out of their way to either play a one-off show here, um, play the fest, like done anything. Cause I feel like, especially the um the dbk or dpk five-year anniversary so many of those bands that played that festival like from you know uh like the pacific northwest west coast area are now like starting to blow up like getting to see drain before california cursed exploded that band Mm -hmm. was like super super cool like ingrown has come through here so many times and now they're getting like the roses of like being yeah. as sick as they are. So I think it's like, it is really cool for those bands to, like you said, like make, make the trip and then, um, you know, just have like a, like a, like dying wish is another example of that where they're like oh, literally yeah. dominating the world. And like, they came here when, you know, they weren't even called dying wish. So like, you yeah, know, when they were trust issues. Yeah. Right. Right. It's crazy to see those evolutions of mm-hmm. all of these bands that we've played with. Yeah. Like, I remember, playing with drain our first tour was with drain <laughs> and like we were playing shows to like nobody <laughs> you right. know and it's like they're fucking crushing it mm-hmm. and i'm so happy for them yeah same with same with uh dying wish like those fools have been grinding mm-hmm. they have been grinding forever and it's now finally paid off yeah totally um so Jordan, we're at the, like, we're past the hour, hour mark of the show, so I think it's safe to hit on maybe one of our final uh, topics. Um, and, and I want you to kind of, you know, intro this as as much as you want, um, just as far as, like, the album comes out, and then some hardcore Redditors start to talk about different things. Um, and I think it kind of sparked, uh, you know, some some very funny tweets and things like that. But I think there's yeah. a lot of um, maybe deeper stuff that we can hit on as well. So for those that don't know who who don't like live in the Twitterverse, can you just talk about like, I guess what, what happened? Yeah, what happened? Okay. <laughs> talk okay. some shit as we've said we were going to get prepared for. Okay. Um, so we re-record Relapse. And when we were recording it, there's like a breakdown part before like a one-liner. Mm-hmm. And for the mosh call, I just said nigga. And when we <laughs> when we recorded it, I didn't tell Taylor I was going to do that. And so I say it and he stops the track and he goes, 
are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, I don't give a fuck. What are they, what, what are, what, what are people going to do? Are they going to fucking fight me? It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> um, and he's like, sure record. <laughs> I was like, all right, dope. And we we're like, where should we put this song? And we we're like, just put it second. Fuck it. Everyone's going to hear it. Cause they're going to play, they're going to blast through overkill. Cause overkill is like a minute long. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to hear relapse and they're going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. He did what? He said what? And it worked out beautifully because then everyone started talking about it. Right. And we were like all waiting on Twitter, especially me when it dropped. I was like refreshing the feed, like looking up momentum and like refreshing the feed to see like who's going to say what first. Right. And it was in like the first 17 minutes. Someone was like, did he really just say that? And it's like, but he's white. Why would he say that? It's like, because I'm half black. I didn't, I didn't fucking watch my mom get called a nigger every, like every month or like twice a week or get kicked out of our houses because fucking black people and Mexicans don't get along and they hate each other Mm. for me not to say whatever the fuck I want to say. You know what I mean? Like, I grew up a certain way. This was just what I say, Mm. you know, like I say it all the time. I don't give a fuck. Like everybody who knows me knows that I'm, I'm black. All my black friends don't give a fuck to begin with. And the only people who care are like white liberals, like, like straight up, like, (laughs) like those like social justice warrior white kids who are like, all right, fellow black people, we're all mad, right? Let's get mad at this white guy, right? And then, like, all my black friends are like, "That was dope. I can't believe you did that. That was sick." <laughs> <laughs> like the only the only people who were who were mad were legit like white dudes. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when when uh, that got asked on on Reddit, all these people were like, "Yo, that dude's black," and they're like, it like sparked a conversation of like people trying to dictate what I can and can't say, which is so wild to me that people think that you can police what I say. Like I can say whatever the fuck I want to, and you have no say in that, Mm. you know, like straight up, like I'm a huge opponent of free speech. So you trying to tell me what I can and can't say is just mind boggling, mind boggling, retarded, like fuck you. Right. for even thinking that like that's so insane to me what's what's really interesting about all this is that i think when you guys posted like hey the album's up on streaming i saw a comment that was like oh you know the album is good if someone's trying to cancel the singer like the day it drops and then yeah. i was like oh like what is this all all about and then like the thing is it took me five minutes to just go down the rabbit hole and do some research of like, Oh, yeah. Jordan's half black. Oh, okay. Like yeah. that checks out. Cause you yeah. know, like, um, like I, I was on a logic kick for like a long, long time. And he would talk about that same thing of like, I don't look black, but like my mom, you know, I am half black. And so like, yeah, it would be this weird thing when like some people are like, yo, like what, are are we are we okay and then just like no like you know this is this is the context of that but i think you're right that a lot of people just like rush to like make themselves feel better because they like you know 
like canceled someone. So I yeah. just thought it was wild that like it took me five minutes to just like get get the actual full picture. And it probably took people longer to sign into Reddit and Dude. write the post and post it and be like, oh, yes, I was I was getting legit messages from like people are like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Like personal messages or people would message the band and they're like, why would you do that? Like, I don't get why you would have the first version of the song and then just add that. What is your problem? It's like, I can do whatever I want with my band. It's mm-hmm. not yours to decide, right. you know? And like, dude, one guy was like, I study uh, cultures and races for college and you are white passing and you are using your white privilege. And I was like, okay, thank you for explaining to me that I'm white passing and what white privilege is. Fuck off. I don't care. Right. Like it was, it was ridiculous. The type of like people that were hitting me up to do this or like hitting me up to like ask, like one guy even asked for permission to listen to the song. And I thought that was really what? Yeah. He was like, I just need to know that you can say this so that I can feel good about listening to this song. <laughs> and I was like, what? what? <laughs> like, I've never heard a these, and you're like a grown man asking me this, like right. you can listen to whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It's a free country. And he, he asked me, I was like, yeah, dude, like, this is the deal. Listen to it if you want. And he was like, Oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> and I also God. think it's kind of racist that all these white people are trying to dictate what I fucking can and can't say. It's mm. like low key, like racist that you're trying to do that mm. in my opinion. So, so yeah. Cause like, I think, man, like I, like I thought it was just funny that like, it was very intentional for you guys. Like we're going to, you know, this is a re-recording of a song. So it's like almost ultra unexpected because there's like a past version that people can listen to. We're going to put it at the front um, and just kind of have that. But I do think it's just wild that a lot of people, like I said before, just like, we'll just rush to it versus like trying to take five seconds out of their day to maybe like understand. And and the other thing too is like, like momentum isn't just a band of only like, all white individuals like there is oh. some like we so. started out being full mexican like <laughs> like the, the entire band started out as just like we were all or they were all mexican or brown and now it's like just me and uh me xavier and gage are the white white people in the band mm. but they're italian so they're people of color too <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like like as like like I said before, you clearly did this on purpose. And like, was that kind of in a way to like put a flag in the ground as far as like, like this is who I am. And like, you're kind of taking a stance versus trying to shy away from trying to, you know, like not like hide in the shadows per se, but just like, Oh, like my friends know, but I don't need to make that known through my music or anything like that. Um, I would say yes. Yeah. It was kind of like, here I am type deal. But also like, I knew exactly what was going to happen. So it was also like a fuck you to them, to people who were going to get mad. Cause this isn't the first time it's happened. This is like number, this is like the third time it's happened. 
where so, people have tried to get tried to come after me for it. And it's always fun. It's always fun to like poke the bear sure. and see what happens. And then all these people just end up looking stupid. And it's always <laughs> the same white people that try to do it. Like I've never had a like so what was a the black f- person come what? up to me and be like, what are you doing? Why are you saying that? They're always like, Oh, you're half black? Okay, that's sick. <laughs> so like the first uh, and second time, was that like was that on a song per se or just like no i actually said it on twitter oh okay yeah and then like all of texas got mad (laughs) all of texas all of texas got really mad and it caused this like war between like california kids and texas kids it was very you had you just had to be there to witness it it was (laughs) very funny i see yeah Yeah. it's it's almost like that is like like gasoline on the ground as far as like if if it's through twitter but like the like it was very in the forefront through the song but it like it almost had like a greater hit because it wasn't just like a a tweet per se it's like i'm putting this in my music like i mean what i say so i thought that was uh yeah like and i think it's it's really important you know for for you to to talk about that in an open way like that is kind of like you know, if if you if you need an explanation, just go listen to this podcast versus like having to like, tr- like the last thing that you probably want is to like have to clarify yourself with anything because like you don't need to ultimately. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, even if I wasn't, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> are you going to confront me and fight me? No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you do not have the skill or the gall to do it. So I just did it. <laughs> yeah, it should be. Um, I think like a lot of people seem to just rush to that. So yeah, I think I think it's very apparent. I think it was like a a very like authentic way that um, that you did that and just like able to yeah, like this is who I am. And like, made a lot of people feel really stupid as soon as they're like, Oh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, with, I think we've hit on everything here, Jordan. So, um, you know, obviously new record is out, uh, through days. Uh, you guys have a bunch of badass shows coming up. Um, the last thing of all the podcasts is a favorite mosh story that you would like to end on. So Not that a story. So that literally could be anything that first comes to your mind. That could be something that you did, something that happened to you, something that you just saw at a show, whatever's top of the top of the head. The one that I remember the most that's like kind of funny was I was at Chain and I was at Chain Reaction and this band called Suffocate. Mm-hmm. They're from the Bay. And they were playing. And when I was young, all I wanted to do was mosh. Like, I just wanted to see how high I could get my foot over my head. And there was a time where I could, like, literally kick over other people. And, like, like, like I never even wanted to hit people. I just wanted to see how good I could throw kicks or how hard I could swing my fucking arms. Sure. All that kind of shit. And I, I was watching them or no, no, no. I was watching the the last band playing 
and I get, I was moshing like crazy and I end up getting, Oh, I end up kicking. Like I do like the, the roundhouse kick or whatever. I end up kicking this other dude who's doing the same thing from the other side of the pit. Oh, and we no. kick, we kick each other's feet <laughs> in like, like midair collide. And I had just fucked up my foot from football practice. I had a fucking like 350 pound lineman step on my foot. Fuck. So I thought my foot was broken at that time. And I thought my foot just shattered into a million pieces. Cause I just swung it as hard as I could. That and sounds very it. anime of just like, yeah, two it was, <laughs> it was like a little explosion. And then we like fly back. Like yeah, yeah. it was like that. And then another random guy kicks me in my stomach and completely knocks all the air out of my stomach. And it's like a sold out show at chain. So it's packed and you can't breathe. Right. And so it's so hot. It's so packed. I have no air in me. I feel like I'm going to literally suffocate and die. (laughs) And so I run over to where the merch tables are and Ricky Hoover who sang for that band, he has he had like a plug company when everyone used to wear plugs, like huge, like three-inch plugs. Oh, sure. He had this like table set up and he was just sitting there on his phone and I completely collapsed on his table and knocked all of his shit over. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> like, like struggling to breathe. And he's like, what the fuck? And I was like gasping for air. And he's like trying to pick me up. And, uh, and he, like, all, all these hoops are just breathe. like going yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, can't breathe. He's like, oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> I was, like, I finally catch my breath and I'm like, I am so sorry. I got kicked in the stomach and I thought I was going to fucking pass out. And I start helping him clean up all this shit. And then I go back and I start moshing again. <laughs> That's my favorite mosh story, I guess, that I can recall. Yeah. I just love the visual of like these like um, half inch hoops like bouncing down the the venue floor like uh, yeah. like a tire on the highway like yeah. oh my gosh that's uh that's too funny and just like the also the visual of the two legs and there's like the moment where it stops and then explodes <laughs> <laughs> like like a legit anime moment yeah totally sure. well jordan this has been really really fun um all of your links and the momentum links uh to the new record will all be in the show notes and the in the description of the video um but if there's anyone you want to shout out plug uh or send or anything you want to send the people off with the floor is yours um I would say listen to a pond stone. Mm-hmm. It's our, it's Xavier's new band that he is uh, playing guitar and singing in. And it is so insanely good. Like he crushed it. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking good. Him and him and his friend Wyatt did it. And it's like, I feel like they're going to blow up. It's like, it's sonically amazing. Mm-hmm um and then i mean that that's all i can think of yeah (laughs) (laughs) listen to a pond stone yeah yeah shout out to xavier um i've been i think he was one of the i hit him up to be on the podcast a long long time ago i think it was when he fucked up his foot like over over covid so if he's listening and is down uh he tore his knee yeah yeah if he's listening and he's down, like the there's an open invite there. Uh, maybe we can chat about upon stone. Um, but Jor, this has been fun, man, and uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs>